Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Here we go. 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 This is it. This is Top Flight Time Machine. I'm Andy Dawson. I'm Sam Delaney. And welcome to part three of the Keegan Odyssey, where we look back at Kevin Keegan's autobiography from 2018. Uh, what's it called? My Life and My Life in Football, I think. Yeah. But it's so much more than that, isn't it? Oh, it's, 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 uh, it's so much more than a life. It's a, it's, mm. it's a universe. Um, we left it at the end of episode two. Now, we've done two episode twos, haven't we? It's complicated. Yeah. So the original episode two that we did, we left we it forgot at the end. We forgot. I mean, the simple way of putting it is we forgot we'd done we forgot an episode done, two. Yeah. Well, and we knew so we'd done it, but we forgot we put it out. Then we recorded another episode two, and we're putting that out as well, because fuck it, that's why not? Already, no, that's no, I mean, already out. So now. little of it has any relevance to the content of the book. That's already you out might as well now, have it. because it's got some nice stuff about, um, about cows in it. Yeah. So, you know, you can't argue with that. Um, we join... Keegan in uh, the segment of the book where he's talking about his childhood home it was um, a little terraced house he says it was a detached outhouse where we washed our bath was an old zinc tub and the toilet was at the foot of the garden it used to take an age to fill the bath by boiling water on gas rings we never had electricity till I was 10 it's all like um, the four Yorkshiremen the Monty Python sketch yeah. isn't it yeah. just look at how much we suffered and how hard upbringing was. But it must be true. Keegan's not the sort of guy who I would expect. If anything, I would expect Keegan to be the sort of bloke who'd sugarcoat it. Yeah. Like maybe... when maybe he has. Yeah, maybe he has. He's like, oh, I don't think we need to go into all of that when he was talking to his ghostwriter. Himself. Himself. Oh, no, it weren't all that bad. And then the ghostwriter's going... Yeah, but I heard that you had a tin bath <laughs> that you had to fill up with boiling hot water. Yeah, but that was great fun. That was part of the fun. <laughs> Who wants boring old taps? <laughs> and what he, he does just say the toilet was at the foot of the garden. He doesn't say how the toilet, you know, manifested itself. It might have just been a hole in, a the, hole in the, garden. the garden, or not even with, a hole with a with a, a bit of tarpaulin over the top. Again, of it. for kids, that's more of an appeal. Like my son. We've only got one toilet in my house. Yeah. That, not to be four Yorkshiremen about it myself, but yeah. it's pretty hard. And uh, just the one indoors. Just, just one. Just but one it's indoors. indoors. Yeah. And it's indoors. Okay. But, which is something, admittedly. But when my son discovered not that long ago that if he was super desperate and freaking out, yeah. that I, I'd go, yeah, just this once you can go in the garden. <laughs> Since then, he just always wants to go in the garden. Yeah. It, to the extent that if he knows someone's in there like having a bath or whatever so you know it's occupied yeah. it'll be like I'm desperate it'll, I know he's yeah, not desperate he just wants any opportunity yeah. to piss in the back garden Ooh. so kids I will, used to do that 
Yeah, I used to. I used to have some deck in there at the back, and sometimes if I was downstairs drinking and I couldn't be bothered to go upstairs, I'd just go. Oh yeah, when I was with the the beer, when I was with the beer, yeah. If my if if um my wife and kids were asleep upstairs, yeah, and I was downstairs, you know, watching telly, just getting on the can solo style. You didn't want to go. You didn't want to go upstairs and back and wake them up. You don't want to disturb them. So you think it's easier just to repeatedly piss in the back garden because it's pitch black, the neighbours can't see. Exactly. And it's quite freeing as well, isn't it? It, 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 it kind good. of unleashes the inner hippie. It in makes you. you feel like a stray man. Yeah. We all want to be a stray man, mm. don't we? Um, so then they moved to a council house in Balby, the suburb of Doncaster, where they filmed Open All Hours. Oh, wow. Now, here's a fascinating fact. That good. shop yeah. in Open All Hours, mm. that corner shop, yeah. not a corner shop, as Keegan himself says, a hairdresser salon, believe it or oh. not. So there we are. Um, Is he right, believe it or not? Or do you, he doesn't that, you're, believe you're it or not, but it doesn't, but it doesn't put an excitement mark afterwards. Kevin Keegan's believe it or not. <laughs> Throughout Number this one. book, I will be giving you facts that you can believe if you choose to or don't. I don't care. <laughs> but they are facts nonetheless. <laughs> Number one. <laughs> the shop where they filmed open all hours, it's a hairdresser's salon. <laughs> believe it or not, it's true. KK's facts. <laughs> He says, I was actually born at my Aunt Nellie's house in Armthorpe on Valentine's Day in 1951 because she had electricity and that made it safer for childbirth. Yeah, you do need electric to give birth I to a baby. I think you like, put a charge through the baby once it's born, don't you? Just in to a, power no, it up. What happens is, is uh, I don't know, were you, at the, were you present at the birth of your two children? I was, yeah. There was electricity there I as don't, well. I don't know how easy it was, but if the, if the, the mum is mm. struggling to push the baby out... Yeah. And you do not want a caesarean for, no. for reasons because surgery or, is always a risk. Or, or religious reasons, perhaps. Or religious reasons, exactly. <laughs> a lot of people, so different faiths don't believe in caesareans. So what they can do, if you ask them, but you have to ask. You have to ask they, them They nicely. won't offer it up. You can't just demand it. They plug uh, what's basically like a, a spark plug. Oh. an overpowered one yeah. in, uh, via cable into the mains they pop that up the mum's bum right they give it a charge and the baby shoots out the front <laughs> yeah and it goes <laughs> and they have to sort of catch it in like a baseball mitt and yeah. that's and that's an electrocharged baby if they overcharge it yeah which can happen you know what you end up with? An excitable child. Kevin Keegan. Kevin Keegan. <laughs> we put, they accidentally put too many watts in the charge up the mum's bum. Yeah. And then you got Mighty Mouse, Double K himself. You get what's called an irrepressible child. Yes, yeah, exactly. exactly. And that is the may well be the secret to Keegan's success. That's what it is. So it's, he was born there for electric, electrical reasons, and it was safer <laughs> for childbirth. He says, I was christened Joseph, named after my father, in a family tradition, though I never heard anyone call me that till the register was read out on my first day at school. I had no idea it was me and assumed it must be another boy with the same surname. <laughs> <laughs> Joseph Keegan. Joseph Keegan. Oh, there's another Keegan in this class. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Joseph Keegan. <laughs> Oh, maybe it's me. <laughs> uh, my name's Kevin, sir. No, Kevin Keegan, mind. It's either a coincidence or someone's been telling fibs about my real name. I'm sure it's not the first time someone will lie about me. I'll say things behind me back. Mike Ashley. <laughs> we'll keep an eye on that as my life unfolds. Anyway, present. <laughs> and he talks about his dad 
uh, and his dad had a stubborn streak. He says, if, if dad thought he was in the right, he was in the right. His word was his bond, and mum always used to laugh about the night he was walking home from the pub and saw a man and woman fighting in the street. Dad had come out of the Scarborough Arms. Ooh. And, with his acute sense of right and wrong, felt compelled to go over. He got hold of the fellow to ask him what the hell he was doing. And bang! The woman gave him a right hook. Oh. Mind your own business! They had to pick Dad off the floor. There was a lesson to be learned from that story, but I like the fact that he was trying to do the right thing. Yeah. What is the lesson? Uh, don't get involved don't in other get, people's yeah. domestics. Keep out. If, so, if you see two people in the street having a row, stay well out of it. Don't yeah. be a hero. Yeah, definitely. It gets slightly more grim next. Um, he says, Mum knew the importance of hard work. She left school at 14 and took jobs in various factories. She spent so long standing on those concrete factory floors that she'd suffered terribly with varicose veins. Oh, die. And one of my childhood jobs, says Kevin, was to let her rest her legs on me. Oh, God. Kevin! <laughs> it's Mama's leg time. Come on! It's your mum's leg time. The veins are playing up so we're chronic, Kevin. Get on your hands and knees, Kevin! I'm going to put my legs up on you! <laughs> no problem, ma'am. Just come in. <laughs> and I was there, quick as a flash. KK's always here to help. <laughs> <laughs> he says she was told her veins were so bad there was nothing they could do to help her but that wasn't good enough for me when I was old enough to do something about it I trained as a surgeon <laughs> in my spare time a vein specialist and carried out an operation in the back bedroom a vein specialist if you don't mind on Saturday night uh, when I was old enough to do something I went to see a specialist who said he could help and so mum had an operation in London we were very close my mum and me yeah, one that means it. he sat in on the operation and watched Oof. He probably had a go as well, didn't he? He'll have had that board game operation where you've got to use the tweezers to get the little body parts out. You know the one I mean? And then if you if you touch the sides of the, the cavities, it buzzes. Yeah. Remember that one? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pull the bread basket out. Or yeah, it is, yeah, operation. Then, yeah, I've yeah. got it at home. I'm sure you have. I've yeah. got it. Yeah. In fact, you've reminded me about it. But the problem with it is, if, you, if I go back to it, if it hasn't been played in anything more than a couple of weeks, several pieces will be missing. Have you got it in the house or is it in, up your storage? No, it's in it's in the house. With your dressing. That's up why stuff. I've got the bloody storage because there's so many fucking toys and board games in the house that all the other good stuff has had to go up the storage. We need to do a podcast up your storage. Yeah, <laughs> really we do. can do it live from my storage. Yeah. I've actually thought when I've been up there, but you don't have storage, do you? No. When I've been up, I don't the, have enough stuff. I've got to, you know I've got one work up the storage and one home. Yeah. And uh, I've actually used two different brands. Oh. One's. Shergard, I think it's called. Not Shergard. Don't give too much information out because people will yeah. try and, you know, get in there. And All right, well, I've been, up, to be you. I've been up one storage and I've often thought they're like eerie places because all it is is hole upon hole upon hole of these generic industrial looking units yeah. and you can get like you, you don't know what floor you're on what position you're in it's very easy to get so lost like in them all it's same looks like a prison but almost bleaker and I was thinking it would be a great setting for a sort of an action thriller. Yeah. The storage. Yeah, up the storage. Like Liam Neeson. He's yeah. up he's up the storage. Yeah. Right, and then the storage for some reason becomes like it's hijacked by terrorists. Mm. I don't know and what. You don't know which unit they're in. You're just fucking it running feels around a bit the like storage. Die hard, doesn't it? it does but feel with, like Die Hard, yeah, but, but with, with storage. And that's, what he could use is you, you go into the storage to make it's a bit like, you know, when the A team got in places and just had to build weapons or vehicles with out of what whatever around. they could yeah. find. Always there was a fucking welding torch for some yeah. reason. But, of course there was. And some cabbages. Yeah. But they. <laughs> It's it's like that, 
meets Die Hard meets Taken because obviously we want Liam Neeson in it. Yeah. And because what he'd do is he'd break into different stories. You never know what's going to be behind the door. Yeah. But whatever's in there, you can turn into a makeshift weapon. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So there could be a bit where he bats a terrorist to death using operation. Yeah. <laughs> Sticks the tweezer up his fucking chap's eye. Yeah. Maybe not. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> Lovely image. <laughs> Have right. some of that, you terrorist bastard. Well, we've gone from that, from the varicose veins to that, so where do we go next? Oh, God, here's where we go next. Um, in those days, we lived opposite the co-op funeral services, mm. and when I was old enough to start kicking a ball around, my friends and I would use the mortuary doors at the back as our goal. That's horrible. That's horrible. It gets horribler. Mm. We would also sneak inside to peer at the dead bodies. Oh, yeah. If the owner, Mr. Anderson, was out and his son, David, one of my pals, knew where to locate the keys. Of course I knew where to locate the keys. <laughs> we thought nothing of walking around the different corpses making up stories about how these people might have met their end. Fucking hell. Mind you, they didn't have PlayStations or iPhones back then, didn't. did they? They didn't. And oh, you had was a corpse, if you were lucky. Everyone was at it. I mean, Jimmy Savile was doing this sort of thing, wasn't oh, he, he, apparently? Oh, he was banging to it, yeah. Literally. I mean, you know... I wonder what they're making up stories about how these people might have met their ends. Do you think they like put together little musicals and shows and <sighs> stuff, reanimated them, got them on strings, and maybe sat them up and well, did pretend chat shows with, with them or with something Keegan's, like that? With Keegan's, yeah. I'll be Parky. <laughs> I'll be Parky, and you pretend that this fella here is Muhammad Ali. <laughs> oh, make this one into Buzz Aldrin, the astronaut, <laughs> and ask him all about his time on the moon. <laughs> but he says, um, it did backfire one day when David, who was three years older than me, rushed over to break the news that Father Christmas was dead. Dun, dun, dun. And how did Father Christmas die? For fuck's sake. He says, I was six at the time, and I just started to wonder about this bearded old man riding a sleigh who would come down the chimney with a sack full of presents if we were good little boys and girls. Was there such a person? I come to the conclusion that, yes, there was. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> it's six. Yes, I'm sure about this. Uh, and now, Sure as eggs is eggs. There's a fucking Santa Claus. And now I was being told he was lying across the street, stone cold dead. Oh, God. I went over to see for myself, and sure enough, there was a big fellow in one of the coffins with a long white beard who looked very much like the Father Christmas my mum had taken me to see in one of the town's big stores. How can you take in such devastating news? It was a tragedy, not least because Christmas was only a few weeks away. Who was going to put the tin soldiers in my stocking? <laughs> so, okay, uh, now that, I mean, that could have been a seminal moment in Double K's life. It could have been. It's like... Um, with Paul Gascoigne, Paul Gascoigne kind of um, harks back all of his, his emotional problems to the time he saw a, ne a neighbour's kid get run over in the street. Really? Yeah, that happened in front of his eyes. And he says, Oh, like Jim Morrison with the Indians dying on the roadside. Uh, what was that then? <laughs> he goes, Indians lying on Dawn's highway bleeding. All right. Um, what is it? Tears stain... The young child's fragile eggshell mind. Oh, okay. What he's going on about is oh. in Riders of the Storm. Yeah. He's driving along the freeway when he's a kid with in the back with his parents in the front. Right. It's a bunch of Native Americans. Yeah. And they've had a car crash and they're just lying, screaming, dying. Fuck. And they just drive straight past and Jim Morrison looks out the window and is like, oh, cripes. And, yeah. uh, and cripes. Cripes. <laughs> And like the kid, the one he said, Cripes! Cripes! Oh, Cripes, Mom! How am we gonna Golly stop? Gee! 
There's a bunch of Indians dying. We ain't got time for that, Jim. And we call them Native Americans now, Jim. <laughs> so Jim quickly started, the young Jim started scribbling down Riders in the Storm. And it was well, the, as a kid, he started nah, writing I don't know, it just lived with him. Right. And uh, if you watch Oliver Stone's movie of The Doors as well, there's a yeah. lot of flashback sequences to right. that instant. Oh, because yeah, that was the pivotal moment uh, yeah, in his life. Exactly. That turned him into a knobhead. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was that. It was from that moment that I started acting like a complete knob and calling myself <laughs> the Lizard King. I got my first pair of leather trousers three weeks later. Started going topless everywhere. One day I got my dick out at school. <laughs> I started falling asleep in the bath. <laughs> I didn't give a shit. So whether you're Kevin Keegan, yeah, it's, and, it's, it's or you're a, Jim Morrison or, or Paul, Paul Gasco, and everyone's got a moment. Yeah, I'm not sure what mine is. Um, I've probably got one told either. you it well, at some point you inadvertently. It hasn't come out yet. Maybe you've, you've like, hidden it away. It'll come out it'll on come one of these back. podcasts, yeah. Yeah. Jalapeño. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Jalapeño. I don't think I've got one. Um, you'll have one, mate. Probably off, but again, I've probably hidden you'll it. have one moment that the rest of your life has been leading directly from, yeah, emotionally. Okay, but we'll find out. It might have been school sports day when I was six, yeah, and I was doing the obstacle course mm. and I was in the lead, yeah, because I was quite small and nimble nippy, and yeah. nippy, yeah. yeah. I was in the lead and right. I went into like a tunnel mm. to crawl through. And someone had dropped or lost a, a gold medal from a previous event <laughs> in this tunnel. And I came across it and I stopped and I looked at it and I thought, what should I do? Should I take this out and give it to someone? Should I leave it here? And by the time I decided and got out the other end of the Fuck tunnel, I finished like fifth or something. You absolute idiot. I know. And how did you feel? Good. I still feel bad now. But in a way... Your conscience, you could look at that in two ways, because in one way, what you weren't being was pragmatic and cynical. Yeah. What you were doing was you were letting your conscience rule you. And I did. I took it out and handed it in. But you and know mate, what I could have done? I could have just kept it, and I would have been the winner, because it, it was a gold medal. It says a lot about you, mate, and I think it says more good than bad. You're not a man who wants to engage in a cynical rat race, trample other people behind you, just so you can say you're someone else's idea... Uh, of of number one of a yeah. champion in what another man's arbitrary completely manufactured contest yeah exactly you, you've got bigger things on your mind like other people global thoughts you've I got, care about yeah. the, the community you're the man in the tunnel yeah. contemplating someone else's medal someone, yeah I am and foregoing your 
victory. And that, that probably has shaped me to make me yeah. a, a better man than, yeah, probably has. than Paul Gascoigne and Jim Morrison and even yourself. If you'd been like one of the dragons off of Dragon's Den, mm. like, what are their names? There's Theo and there's Duncan. If you'd been Theo Perfidis, yeah. you'd have totally ignored that. No, what you'd have done is grabbed the gold medal and pocketed Stuffed it. Stuffed it down with shorts and kept going and yeah. won another gold for yeah. yourself. Popped you up your bum because yeah. actually there's no pockets in the shorts. Popped you up your bum and carried on running, won, and then pulled it out, got your gold medal, probably tripped over other people yeah. on the way, yeah. won it and popped both round your fucking neck. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it could quite easily have been stored in the waistband of the shorts. I don't know what you mean mm. by putting it up your bum. That's probably quite telling about yourself. But again, we'll come back to that no, in a later Perfidis. episode. No, you said that, though. You, former you, we're not owner. About Perf- I'm speculating. Yeah. What, I know Perfidis. No, I don't know him personally, no. but I've, I've observed him. He's, he used to own Millwall. And yeah. you know what they say about Millwall, always up to their own tricks. It's a classic Millwall trick. Steal the medal, medal, pop it up, up your, your own bum. Yeah, well, I think that'll come back in a little, a little podcast to possibly haunt you, but we'll we'll, <laughs> we'll see. Shall we move back yeah. to Kevin Keegan? Kevin Keegan. Where are we at? So Santa Claus is dead. Yeah. Um, uh, that age, he says, we already had our run money-making schemes. I cleaned cars with David and Morris, David Anderson, I don't know who Morris is, mm. at the Glasgow mm. paddocks, where hundreds of horses were kept in stables, and some of the racecores who were staying at the Danham Hotel were wealthy enough to reward us with a shilling or even a half crown. Oh, don't know what that is. Yeah, he's making it up. Yeah, it was too good to last, sadly. And when it was decided the paddocks would be knocked down, the local newspaper, the Doncaster Free Press, heard about our plight and printed a picture of us sitting, <laughs> sitting disconsolately on our buckets. <laughs> Oh, imagine if he... I wonder if he got that. No, I don't. I've, I've looked through the pitch section of the book. I don't think he's got it. No. We'll have to do, find that ourselves. We'll yeah. have to go into the archives. We'll, go, we'll take a trip to Doncaster. We're going to go to Pontefract, aren't we, and do the Haunted House. We'll do the so ghost, there, in the same... Where it probably isn't far. We'll do Doncaster. They're both Yorkshire. We'll go through we'll go to the library, go through the archives of the Free Press, and we'll yeah. find a picture yeah. of Keegan sitting on his bucket, and we'll, we'll tweet it out, and then wonder why we've done that. I was on the cover of the South London Press once, shaking hands with John Prescott when I was a teenager right? and it was a general election and he'd come to Clapham Junction to talk about Labour's transport plans oh for London. God. So you were and all he these, a, I imagine. He had, he had a big map of it and I was I stood in while he was pointing at the map and I stood in and looked like an interested commuter, yeah. which I was. Of you were. Went on the cover. Years later, I was... Years and years later, this was 1992, years and years later, like a couple of years ago, uh, we were doing I was interviewing him on News Thing yeah and he the, and I, the topical comedy show band. which is currently rested it's rested yeah <laughs> but it's the much lamented yeah and and he said uh, and I said to one of the researchers and the producer I told him oh, I was on the front cover of a newspaper once when I was a kid with um, John Prescott and they went we produced it. We've got to get that. It's amazing. We've got yeah. to get it. We've got to get it. I said, well, it's really old. I don't have a copy. So it'll be in the archives. They sent a researcher down to the archives <laughs> of the South London Press. She was down there for a whole fucking day. <laughs> I said, it will be around, just research when the general election campaign of 92 was. Yeah. It will be somewhere between those weeks. It was only a weekly newspaper, so there could only have been about eight to How 12 did it take copies. Hey? How did it take her a whole day to do that? Well, because it just wasn't there. <laughs> and she was nervous to come back because what she was effectively saying and what everyone thought and probably still thinks You're is that lying, I made son. it up. Yeah. But come on. 
we on the pod, on our other podcast we do great bullshits of our yeah. time and being on the front page of South London Press talking about transport plans with John Prescott a, is not it, a good bullshit it's lukewarm I, would, best, I wouldn't waste my time with it <laughs> it's been fucking censored it's yeah. been deleted from the archives prob- yeah fucking hell probably has Illuminati yeah something like that someone's gone back and seen it and gone that's Sam Delaney from News Thing yeah and that's John Prescott we've from, got to have from this deli- we've got to have this, this deleted this is this is he gold. works this he's a Russian dynamite. spy yeah. Yeah. Look, look at this Delaney character. He's like Forrest Gump. He pops up through the archives everywhere at yeah. all the most significant moments in history. Like John Prescott's famous unveiling of a new of Labour's plans for a South London the, train in network. In the election they lost in 92. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everywhere this man is somewhere. <laughs> this is it. So Keegan, he's impressive, isn't he, with all his jobs and schemes, as yeah. he call them, money-making schemes, mm. which is very much the language of the Beano, isn't it? He's he's irrepressible. He's he won't be knocked down. He he bounces back. He's like a weeble. Yeah, he's football's weeble, if anything. Just constant energy. Mm. Uh, you know. Well, we'll find out in a minute about how far he goes to work his way into professional football well before we even get to that he's still only seven yeah <laughs> and he says sadly my attempts at the age of seven to get a newspaper round led to nothing other than my pride being hurt oh. and that pride is as big as his heart yeah and his heart is bigger than his body yeah so like that's Sean a lot Mike of Phillips. hurt yeah he says dad took me to the local news agents to see if there were any vacancies but I was knee high to a grasshopper and when the shop owner peered over the counter to look me up and down she tried to explain as gently as she could that it might be tricky giving me a job when I could not reach the letterboxes. Yeah. Hang on. But how impressive is that? Minute. He's yeah. seven. seven. How, how tall is a seven-year-old? You've got a seven-year-old. I've got a seven-year-old. Well, he's about this big, what, like four foot something? Four and a half something? Four yeah. foot five? Yeah, yeah. Can he reach a letterbox? Yeah, no problem. Of course he can. So yeah. what the fuck's this news agent well, about? Well, because I think that she was being disingenuous. Really, the issue here is it's too young for a child to have a job out on the street. this is Kia Kia. I know it's double case, he, so he, he thinks he, there's different he, rules for him. He defeats all the odds every time. But as an employer, you you, you know, it's more than you ju- it's just too much trouble to put a seven year old out at those at the wee small hours where it's still dark, out in the streets on their own. I would not put my fucking son out there. This was Doncaster though in the sixties. I know, or I am 50s. thinking I'm sure that. they were sending them up chimneys. They're then. probably yeah, down the down mines. Down the mines and everything. And everything. My dad used to take me down the mine because he couldn't afford a canary, so he'd use me <laughs> to check for gas. Luckily, I never died. He's, I tell him when I start to feel a bit woozy and we go home. <laughs> no more coal for us today, Double K, he'd say. That's what he always called me. <laughs> and then he, So he couldn't get this job as a paper lad, um, and... It went further. It said, she walked me down the road for a trial and she must have chosen the most awkward letterbox in Doncaster because even on tiptoes, I could not get close. So she's like, he's, <laughs> he's, she's gone. You can't have the job. You can't reach your letterboxes. Yeah. And he's gone, I can. I can reach the letterboxes. Let's prove it. Let's go out now. <laughs> she's gone, all right then. <laughs> so she's taking him to the most awkward letterbox in Doncaster so, uh, and proving that he can't reach it. It'll have been one of them posh houses with a letterbox up the side. I've got, yeah, but I've got to say, this sounds like conspiracy stuff from Double K, doesn't it? Are you saying he's lying? Not lying, but I just think... already established he's not lying. Yeah, but the, I don't think he'd ever consciously lie. I don't think he's that sort of person. But I do think that he would be confused by failure because he's just like, but... I'm double K. Why won't you give me this opportunity? He wouldn't acknowledge failure. He wouldn't acknowledge it. Why wouldn't you give me that opportunity? Oh, I get it. 
you probably stitch me up by sending me down the notorious, what they call the Giants Causeway in the, <laughs> in the Postman community in Doncaster. He's he's kind of like the Black Knight from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Even yeah. if he's, all his limbs are cut off, he will still keep coming at you. Yeah. So um, he's been told, it's, it's been proven that he can't reach the letterboxes, so he says, I'll carry a box around with me. Fucking I please hell. He will not be beaten. Yeah. So he's going to have a big sack of newspapers on his shoulder and, and he's going to carry it like an, an orange crate And around. imagine how much longer it would take as well. God. Walking down each part, putting the box down, climbing Stand. onto the box, putting the paper through, climbing off of the box, picking it back up. Fuck me, it would add an hour minimum to the, the average kid's round. He says uh, the best she could offer was, was a job in a few years' time and a sympathetic pat on the head. I went back home, got on all fours and let my mum put her legs up on me. <laughs> it was back to the day job. <laughs> <laughs> my mum's veins. This and that. Not many footballers have a nun as their first mentor, and True. Sister Mary was certainly quite a sight as she refereed with her crucifix flying around and her <laughs> habit whipping round her knees. Just when you think this book can't give you any more, <laughs> it gives you a footballing referee nun. Yeah. The, um, uh, his mentor, he's, he, he credits her he along with his, Shanks, He says his he? first mentor. He yeah. says, I would go so far as to say she had the same influence on me at school as Bill Shankly did later on at Liverpool. Kevin's football must be encouraged, she wrote in my school report in 1961, and I never forgot the way she gave me something to believe in. Kevin's football must be encouraged, and he should be discouraged from hanging around with corpses and putting on chat shows. <laughs> A world of change has taken place since then. I've always wanted to encourage others in the way Sister Mary did with me. She was a huge influence, and I still have photographs of the two of us when the newspapers arranged a reunion many days, many years later. It gave me a chance to say thank you, and we kept in touch over the following years. So he says that he tries to implement Sister Mary's management techniques. At Newcastle. To, yeah, and City, and England. I right. used to dress up as a nun. <laughs> I put a crucifix round my neck. And when the lads were least expecting it, I'd suddenly appear in their hotel rooms. <laughs> I'd, I'd affect an Irish accent and st start making them drop to their knees and read from a Bible. <laughs> if they got anything wrong, I'd wrap them over the knuckles with a big stick. And I'd put my varicose veined legs up on their backs as they were on all fours reading from the Bible. The lads at Newcastle seemed to like it. Although David Junnell, I seemed to like it too much. <laughs> <laughs> he started offering me money for doing it. <laughs> He says, uh, she was like an angel, so full of kindness and warmth. She used to call herself STS, soccer talent spotter. <laughs> <laughs> That's the fucking... I want you to call me STS from now on. <laughs> lads, lads, I've come up with a great nickname for myself, so I have. It's STS. Oh, <laughs> what's it stand for, Sister Mary? What the fuck do you think it stands for? Work it out, you dumb bastards. It stands for soccer talent spotter. That's what I am. I live and breathe soccer talent spotting. Okay. Uh, SDS for short. Sounds good to me. Uh, uh, so then they moved house uh, to uh, an unpretentious council house in Waverley Avenue. It was a dream for me, says Kev, because it was directly across the road from a big grassy godsend known mm. as the Bull Ring. Oh. It was luxury compared to Spring Gardens with three bedrooms, electricity. Oh, oh so if there are any babies, babies need ba ba birthing, <laughs> you knew where to round. come. And an indoor lavatory. The back garden was small, but having a plain field right on the doorstep more than made up for that. The only problem was ingratiating ourselves with our new neighbours. And we probably could have made a better first impression. 
Listen to this. As we were carrying in our sofa, a dead mouse fell out in front of everyone. Oh, crikey. It's the last thing you need. Oh, I see we've got some new neighbours coming in. Oh, they look quite nice. They're bringing the sofa in themselves. Look, the the, the boy's standing on an orange box for some reason. (laughs) Oh, my God, what's that? A dead mouse has fallen out of the sofa. They're scum. They're scum. (laughs) Right to the council now. Drive them out. (laughs) A fucking dead... This street hasn't had a dead mouse in it in 30 years I've been living here. We're scrupulous about dead rodents this here. This is a 1930s council house with indoor lavatories and electricity. What are they doing bringing a dead mouse into it? It's not Victorian London. What the fucking hell? Live mice? Fine. All over the place. <laughs> Hang on a minute, though. If there's a dead mouse falling out of the sofa, how long has it been there? Because mm, mice tend to rot quickly and disintegrate fairly quickly. How do you know that? Well, I, I, I used to have a mouse problem. And so I you used put to out have, traps. I used to put traps down under the kitchen units and occasionally we'd go and check and there'd be a dead mouse there. But I went on holiday once and came back and there was a mouse. And, and it, it, had already it, it just turned to, like, ooze. What, like, liquefied? Yeah. And it oh, my God. stunk as well. So oh. I'm saying... Sorry, Sam. I'm saying that the Keegan's mouse was a recent mouse. So it just died in their sofa just before they moved. Or it, was a, or it was a pet mouse. It was my lucky mouse. I knew there was no way I'd be able to <gasps> smuggle it to the new place alive, so I decided to kill it humanely <laughs> and then hide its corpse in the sofa. Unfortunately, it fell out of the sofa just as we were moving in, and my whole scheme backfired. I called it Mighty Mouse, and it inspired my nickname of the same name a few years later. Maybe <laughs> it was his pet mouse. And that it- mouse reminded me of myself in all but one way. It were dead, and I, I'm thankful to say, am alive still for now. I don't think he killed it. I think it was his pet mouse, and it died somehow in, in, the in transit. In transit, and he's 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 blocked it out psychologically. Another crossroads, another, another emotional this, crossroads this in his life. More so than the death of Father Christmas, because moving is, anyway is a is a big emotional crossroads. Fucking awesome, isn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> this <laughs> this more than the death of Father Christmas is the significant moment in his life I think that changed everything and he's not even acknowledging it he's not even accepting that it happened the mouse died it's fine and he's ghostwriters mouse die he's in the mirror himself going that sounds like it could be a significant moment have you got anything more to say about that like what what would I say about it is what it is the mouse died it was just a mouse yeah well I'm just thinking let's scrape the surface what fucking surface get on I want to get on to the next bit of the book why are you so hung up about a mouse? Mice die every day. Even while I've been saying this, probably four or five have died. <laughs> Somewhere in the world. <laughs> like maybe in Zimbabwe or, or, or Las Ch- Vegas. In China, there's hundreds of mice dying every day. Bang, one just died now. <laughs> I'm certain of it. Get so over shut it. Up. Move on. Mice die. <laughs> Move on with your life. Next chapter. <laughs> Good point to leave it there. I think we'll end this episode, and in the next episode, in part four, we'll begin with uh, Keegan almost being blinded by an arrow from a bow arrow. So you know it it keeps on giving. Come back next time in a week or so and uh, get a load of that. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Bye bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 